Welcome to Unstretched. This is a podcast focused on debunking yoga myths and misunderstandings in the physical practice of yoga so you can be more informed about your body. I'm your host, Dr. Lauren Shelton. I'm a doctor of physical therapy, board-certified orthopedic clinical specialist, and registered yoga teacher. I'm the owner of Stability Flow, where we create strong and stable bodies through creative flows. This episode, we're going to talk about stretching, flexibility, and tightness. We'll be discussing the science behind these three and things like when is stretching safe, when is it harmful, and whether or not stretching is effective at reducing tightness. If you follow me on Instagram, you're probably not surprised that I don't recommend static stretching. And I definitely get some backlash for saying this in the yoga community, and rightfully so. The media has done an absolutely incredible job of making people think they need to be ultra-flexible. I literally just saw an article by Self Magazine that said, tight hamstrings, stiff hips, time to loosen up. And the entire article talked about how important stretching is for your health. When I scroll through Instagram, I see at least one post a day from a fitness influencer talking about stretches to fix back pain or stretches for anxiety or stretches for better posture. And I often see videos where influencers say lines such as, I got in 15 minutes of stretching today and I have a goal of making this a priority. We are quite literally constantly being told that stretching is the answer to physical ailments and something we should all make time for. But one of the things that was really drilled into my head in physical therapy school is whenever you're getting information, you have to look at the source. Is it from a reputable author? Is it published in a reputable journal? Does it have a rigorous study design? Where you get your facts is just important, is not more important than the facts themselves. And what we find is that research does not agree with this notion that stretching is something we have to do for optimal health. In fact, when you dig deep, it says quite the opposite. Let's begin by talking what is happening to our tissue when we stretch. Muscles themselves only actively contract. When we activate a muscle, the only thing it can actually do is shorten. You can't actively lengthen a muscle. That's because of what is happening at a cellular level. The functional unit of a muscle is called the sarcomere. The muscle is made up of tons of sarcomeres that are overlapping about halfway with one another. Within these sarcomeres, you have something called actin and myosin. When ions are released, it causes the myosin heads to hook onto the actin and pull the overlapping sarcomeres even closer together. This is a muscle contraction. When the contraction ends, the sarcomeres go back to just overlapping partly or around halfway. If you think about active stretching, this means one muscle is contracting and as a result, the opposite muscle is relaxing so you can get into that range. Let's take the quads. If you're standing up and you're moving into a standing leg raise where you're basically raising one leg up off the ground in front of you, your quad is working really hard to keep your knee straight and flex your hip in order to hold you in that position. Additionally, the sarcomeres of the hamstrings are getting pulled farther and farther apart so the muscle can elongate and allow the quad to keep pulling the leg up. The hamstring is not actively relaxing, it's just relaxing because the quads are contracting. Another example would be if you're holding a dumbbell and performing a bicep curl. If you move the dumbbell closer to your shoulder, the muscle is contracting and shortening. As you straighten the arm back out, the sarcomeres are trying to continue to contract and shorten, but gravity plus the dumbbell are pulling them apart. This is why muscles function with the least amount of effort in more of a mid-range, because the sarcomeres are optimally separated and not being pulled apart or overlapping too much. 
The main point I'm trying to drive home here is that biomechanically, muscles really only contract and then relax. They don't actively elongate. In order to elongate, the muscle must relax and be pulled into that position. So in the case of static stretching, once a muscle is relaxed and all the sarcomeres are pulled apart during the stretch, you're now stretching the other tissues surrounding the muscle, such as the ligaments and tendons. We'll talk in a little bit more about why this may pose a problem. But moving deeper into the anatomy, let's talk about mechanoreceptors, specifically muscle spindles and Golgi tendon organs. Muscle spindles are located in the muscle belly. Think of them as little communicators to your nervous system about what the muscle is doing. They are responsible for telling the brain information that helps your body coordinate your movement for things like walking and postural control, and really everything. They're incredibly important. In fact, many of the symptoms of dizziness and nausea one can experience after getting whiplash is due to disruption of the muscle spindles in the neck muscles because the brain is no longer receiving appropriate information. Golgi tendon organs are, you guessed it, located in the tendon. Tendons are what attach the muscle to a bone. They also monitor tension and give information to the brain. These mechanoreceptors are very important when you stretch because you help prevent injury. When you first take your leg and pull it towards your face for a big hamstring stretch, the muscle spindle will actually cause the muscle to contract slightly so that you don't overstretch and damage the muscle fibers. Then, once you've been holding the stretch for about seven seconds, the Golgi tendon organ will override the muscle spindle to get the muscle to lower its force output and essentially relax so you can stretch a little deeper. So based on what you now know of the anatomy, does stretching actually lengthen the muscle tissue or does it simply increase your nervous system's tolerance to that stretch? You see, the more I study the human body, the more I become enthralled with the nervous system. It truly is in charge of everything. Simply put, the nervous system is king. Most people believe that when they feel tightness in a muscle or stiffness in a joint, that it actually means the muscle is shortened or the joint is unable to move optimally. Research shows this is not always the case. Tightness and stiffness are just feelings. They're just sensations, something your peripheral nervous system is communicating to your brain about the state of your body. Tightness is typically a warning sign of some underlying instability, like overuse, weakness, or the like. Rarely is your brain telling you that there's true tissue shortening. Let's use the hamstrings again. It's very common for people to complain of hamstring tightness. I actually see this quite frequently in people who do yoga. They may feel some tightness or discomfort in the back of their leg. So what do they do? They stretch their hamstrings. Now sure, it could provide some temporary relief because stretching does activate the mechanoreceptors and provide some movement and blood flow. But does the sensation go away? Typically after an hour or so, the tightness feeling comes right back. That's because the tightness sensation didn't mean the muscle was actually shortened. It was actually an indicator of an underlying instability in the form of weakness. People who do yoga constantly get stretching of the hamstrings in so many poses with little to no strengthening. The nervous system senses this instability and weakness of the hamstring. So as a protection mechanism, it tightens down and guards the hamstrings to attempt to create stability or to guard the vulnerable area from movement. So in this case, stretching is not optimal because it is doing the exact opposite of what the body needs, which is stability. If you're still not convinced, studies show that nerve glides or neural mobility exercises that target movement of the nervous system are more effective at increasing hamstring length than static stretching. 
That's because the nervous system is ultimately in charge and what is limiting the passive motion. I firmly believe that when people feel incredibly limited and restricted due to hamstring tightness, it's so much more an issue with their sciatic nerve resisting stretch than it is their muscles being shortened. Like think of that guy who comes to the, your yoga class and he bends over in his forward fold and complains that his fingertips are nowhere near touching the ground. I guarantee I can improve that more effectively by loading his posterior chain and creating a safe environment for his nervous system than I could from just static stretching. And another question to ask, let's say when you stretch, you are effectively lengthening the muscle. Would that even actually fix the problem? Many people complain of tightness in their piriformis muscle. This is located underneath the glutes. So it's the tightness sensation that you can feel in the center of your butt cheek. I've actually experienced it before and it is really annoying. If you Google what to do about it, I guarantee you it'll come back with piriformis stretches. This is basically just taking your knee, bending it in towards your chest, and then pulling it across your body. So it's more like pulling your knee towards your opposite shoulder. Now, yes, like any other stretch, this could provide temporary relief. But what is causing the tightness? What I typically see is individuals are rocked into an anterior pelvic tilt, which now positions the piriformis to be the main frontal plane stabilizer of the pelvis. This is actually a job for the glute med muscle. So now the piriformis is overworked trying to stabilize and lengthening this muscle won't solve that problem. First, you need to develop the motor control to maintain a neutral pelvis. And secondly, we need to get the glute med to wake up and actually start doing its job. So this is a great example of how, yes, static stretching is always recommended for someone with piriformis pain, but it's really not getting to the root of the problem and actually fixing what's causing that tightness sensation. It's also important to note that stiffness isn't necessarily a bad thing. Stiffness allows our body to store and release energy to make us more efficient. Think of a bow and arrow. If the strings on the bow were extremely pliable when you pull them back to shoot the arrow, they would just stay back. The stiffness properties is what allows them to recoil and return to its original length, thus shooting the arrow forward. The same thing is true with structures in the body like the IT band. People often complain of IT band tightness and wanting to stretch and foam roll the IT band, but actually this band of fascia is tight for a reason. It is incredibly effective at storing and releasing energy to help propel us forward and reduce the amount of work our muscles have to do during activities such as walking or running. This is also why static stretching has an acute reduction on power output, why it's no longer recommended to athletes when they warm up before competition. When the muscles and tendons are brought into elongated positions for a minute or two, you're effectively reducing that rubber band-like effect that causes them to shoot back to their original length, and therefore causing an overall reduction in power output. And touching back on the IT band example, if tightness is just a feeling, is the IT band actually tighter than normal? Or is it weakness of the lateral hip causing an over-reliance on the IT band for power output, thus causing the sensation of tightness? Just food for thought. So maybe you're not buying into the fact that static stretching is just increasing the body's tolerance to stretching. Maybe you've stretched for years and years and gained tons of length and you're convinced your muscles have actually changed in length. Some research does support this theory. Some research points to sarcomerogenesis. This basically means that new sarcomeres are actually created, which then would allow the muscle to be longer while still maintaining its contractile properties. So let's say this is 100% true and that static stretching causes this increase in sarcomeres to make your muscles longer. Strength training will still provide you with more benefit. 
That is because strength training through full ranges of motion has been found to be more effective than static stretching to improve flexibility while also building strength and decreasing your risk for injury. Now, I really want to drive this home because I think it's the key point of this episode. Flexibility within normal ranges is good. We want our muscles and joints to be able to move through their full ranges. And yes, static stretching can absolutely help you achieve that. Whether you align with the sensory theory of the nervous system modulating the muscle's stretch or the more mechanical theory of the muscle making new sarcomeres, regardless, stretching does increase one's range of motion. But so does strength training, and it offers so many more benefits. Someone can spend a long time statically stretching their hamstrings to improve the range of motion of their hip to allow them to go deeper in a forward fold, or they could perform a Nordic hamstring curl exercise that strengthens the hamstrings through their full range of motion. This will now increase the available range of motion that they have and keep the hamstrings strong to prevent injuries such as a muscle strain, like a common yoga injury referred to as yoga butt, which is proximal hamstring injury caused by too much stretching. So that explains why strength training can be more effective than stretching, but can stretching actually be harmful? The answer is actually a resounding yes. It absolutely can be. And yoga is truly a perfect example of this. When we look at the research, there are so many studies that conclude stretching is beneficial and good for you. But when you look closer at those studies, they're primarily focused on young, healthy males. And sure, a homogenous subject group is important to reduce unwanted variables. But more importantly, these young, healthy males that they studied had less than normal range of motion in their hamstrings. So when we talk hamstring length, think of lying on your back and keeping your knee straight as you pull one leg towards your body. If you can bring your leg up to 90 degrees, so essentially the leg is perpendicular to the ground with the heel facing the ceiling, you have completely normal hamstring flexibility. Anything more than this would be considered excessive flexibility. The study that deems stretching beneficial are always talking about individuals with less than normal flexibility. They're also not comparing stretching to other interventions like eccentric strengthening, but they're usually just comparing stretching to doing nothing. So when you look at research of individuals with excessive hip range of motion or extreme flexibility, like I touch on in episode two, where we discuss transitioning from warrior three to half moon, it is very conclusive that static stretching in these extreme ranges is not beneficial. This creates so many instability issues. As we touched on earlier, when you're stretching muscle tissue, once the sarcomeres are pulled apart to the maximum, the stretch will then occur at the ligaments and tendons. Ligaments are incredibly important for passive stability to the joints. You can't strengthen or contract a ligament. It is connective tissue connecting bone to bone. Once these ligaments get stretched out, they lose their ability to provide stability. This is when the real issues occur, because now your body will overly rely on structures like the labrum and articular cartilage, which over time can cause too much wear and tear, resulting in poor joint health. Research demonstrates this time and time again that excessive range of motion, or in other words, extreme flexibility, is not good and actually very harmful. If you don't believe me, look at the research around hypermobility. Conditions like hypermobile type Ehlers-Danlos syndrome are examples of how hypermobility can cause pain. These individuals have an extreme stretch tolerance and can access in-range motions very easily, Think the splits, arm binds, and the like. But their likelihood of developing chronic pain is much higher than the normal population. 
Some research states as high as 90% of patients with EDS having symptoms of chronic pain. And you absolutely do not have to have a condition like EDS to have issues. Pain and injury caused by too much flexibility is a hallmark of gymnasts and dancers. These athletes are placed on pedestals as being in peak health, but the prevalence of lower back pain and hip pain is sky high in this population. The only teenagers I've ever treated clinically with severe lower back pain were dancers, and this is because this sport requires such extreme flexibility. And that is why I want to change the language around the yoga industry. I'm constantly inundated with images on Instagram of yogis doing the splits, the over splits, it's extreme backbends like falling from standing into a wheel pose, pressing their spine into a camel or bow pose. And yes, it might look sexy and appealing, but these are not normal ranges of motion for these joints. But for some reason, because it's part of their yoga practice, people genuinely think it's good for their body. Yoga wasn't designed by individuals who dedicated their lives to researching and studying human movement the way physical therapists, exercise physiologists, orthopedic physicians, and other professionals have. It actually wasn't even designed to be a workout at all. So just because something is a yoga pose doesn't make it safe for your body. Motion is good for the body. Extreme motion is not. So if you're someone who is striving for deep flexibility in your yoga class, just be informed that this might have long-term repercussions on your body. If you're aware of this and willing to accept the risk, then go for it. But I personally am not. But don't be discouraged. You can absolutely practice yoga without extreme stretching or any stretching at all, for that matter. One of the main goals of my program, Stability Flow, is to allow yogis to move and explore yoga in a way that is safer and better for their bodies. We build strength and stability in poses instead of deep flexibility. And yes, the classes are challenging. But once you no longer have lower back pain or hip pain or SI pain, you start to realize why excessive range of motion really isn't your friend. I'll get to specific to changes you can make in just a minute. But lastly, I want to make sure I have a really balanced approach to this episode and let you know when stretching can be a good thing. Again, stretching isn't harmful if you actually lack range of motion, but strengthening through the full range is generally more effective. But there are some cases, like arthrofibrosis, where stretching can be beneficial. So what is arthrofibrosis? When a joint has been inflamed for a prolonged period, the body can begin to lay down excessive collagen, which then makes the joint capsule become thickened and fibrous, preventing proper movement. It's essentially scarring down and creating scar tissue around the joint. This occurs when individuals develop frozen shoulder or what we call adhesive capsulitis. The joint capsule of the shoulder becomes thickened and inflamed, preventing movement. What we know about scar tissue like this is that the collagen fibers are no longer laying flat and smooth, but they're like all tangled up. Static stretching can be used in these instances, with the idea being the collagen fibers are being pulled from this tangled mess back to a more smooth orientation. Where I have actually seen arthrofibrosis the most clinically is following a total knee replacement. This is such a major surgery and the body has such an intense inflammatory response that coupled with genetic and environmental factors, arthrofibrosis can absolutely occur. These individuals have an extremely hard time progressing the range of motion of their knee due to this excessive scar tissue formation. In both these examples, the knee replacement and the frozen shoulder, it is important that static stretching is performed in a tolerable pain range. If you have frozen shoulder and you're putting yourself in extreme pain to stretch out the joint capsule, you'll most likely trigger an even greater inflammatory response from your body, ultimately making the issue worse. 
So yes, when the joint is truly restricted with significant lack of range of motion, a lot of time the force of our muscles is not strong enough to pull on the collagen fibers. So this is a great example of when we might use static stretching over strengthening through the full range. Have I seen this clinically in physical therapy? Yes. Have I seen this in the yoga studio? Literally never. But that doesn't mean you can't see it in a yoga studio. But if you're a yoga teacher, typically someone with severe joint limitation is going to be fairly easy to spot, and they'll most likely tell you before class too. Something you absolutely will encounter in your yoga class is hypermobility, because bendy people are attracted to deep flexibility since they're good at it. So it's much more important you can spot hypermobility, because these are the people at risk for injury in your class. So let's say you're not a yoga teacher, but you want to know how to practice yoga in a safe manner, knowing what you now do about stretching. Of course, static stretching isn't something you have to completely avoid, with the exception of hypermobility, in which case I wouldn't really recommend it. But if you're staying within a normal range of motion, it's typically okay. Can you practice yoga without static stretching? Yes, yoga is not synonymous with stretching, despite what people think. Here are three things that I do in my personal practice and what I teach in Stability Flow. First, in most poses, I shorten my stance and place a micro bend in my knees. Think poses like wide-legged forward fold, triangle pose, pyramid pose, half moon, etc. I do this in order to prevent excessive hamstring stretching or hip range of motion. This is just the number one thing that gets overstretched in a yoga classes because there are so many poses that do that. The second thing I do is I work on actively holding poses instead of pulling myself into positions. Think holding your body in chair pose. Instead of hooking your elbow on your leg and pulling yourself into that twist, I actively hold myself there and unhook that arm. Or take big toe pose. Instead of grabbing onto my big toe and pulling my leg up higher and higher, I work on actively raising my leg and using my quads and hip flexors to hold myself there. And the third and final thing, with poses that require deep flexibility that are often cued towards the end of a yoga class, think half pigeon, frog, etc., I oftentimes find a much gentler version of the pose that usually doesn't require the weight of gravity acting down on your body to push you into the pose. So think of like a supine figure four instead of half pigeon. You're just gently holding your body there instead of gravity pressing your entire body weight into half pigeon. Or the other thing I do is spend that time working on some active hip mobility. And lastly, another thing you can do and that I highly recommend is just take an extra long Shavasana. So when everyone is stretching, you're already relaxing and unwinding into your Shavasana. And remember, don't worry about offending the teacher if you're doing something different than they cued. It's your body and your practice. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I know it's quite the deep dive, but I hope you feel more informed to make safer decisions for your body, both in your yoga practice and in life. As always, if you have any questions, you can reach out on Instagram by sending a DM to dr.lauren.yoga or email me at hello at stabilityflow.com.